Good morning. Happy New Year. Am I on, Nathaniel? All right. He just talked about New Year's resolutions, and I want to talk to you about vision. Now, when we talk about vision, with what I do with people, most of the time, they're thinking about something down the road, something in the future that they have vision for, hope for, a goal for. But I don't want to talk to you today about that kind of vision. I want to talk about having vision for the present moment. There's a big difference. So, I want to talk, first of all, about two men in the Old Testament who had tremendous vision. And those two men were Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were extraordinary in that of all of the people that left Egypt and went into the wilderness, only Joshua and Caleb made it into the promised land. Everyone else, including Moses, died in the wilderness. Now, why, why did they go in and millions of others died? There's a simple reason. Joshua and Caleb had vision like none of the other people had. So Joshua was very, very special to Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain, Joshua went up with him. He was like an attendant to Moses. And when the people of Israel came to a location called Kadesh Barnea, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to spy out the land. One man from each tribe. And these men went into the promised land and checked everything out. They all, say, they all saw the same thing. But only two had vision. Only two. And that was Joshua and Caleb. Because when they came back, ten of the spies told the people, we are but grasshoppers 
in the sight of the giants that are in the land. And they spoke fear into the hearts of the people. So much so that they had a vote. They didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb because Joshua and Caleb didn't see themselves as grasshoppers in the eyes of those giants. Joshua and Caleb saw themselves as men of God who were going to go into the land and take the land and conquer it because they knew who they were in Jesus Christ, who they were in God, who they were in the kingdom of light. So they came back and they said, listen, this land is so powerful for us. And, and they began to describe it. But all the people could think about was the fear that had been put in their hearts by the 10 spies who were afraid. The 10 spies didn't have vision. Now, I need your help here. I'm going to build something that is going to require your imagination. And the reason I'm doing it this way instead of putting a slide up there is because I want you to take what I'm about to share with you. I want you to be able to take it home. I want you to be able to take what I'm going to share with you and lay in bed at night with your eyes closed and see what I am going to tell you this morning. So, I'm going to build right here a 15-foot pole. Right here, okay? And over here, another 15-foot pole. And between these two poles is going to be a wire or a line tied tightly to the top and stretched from one pole to the other, okay? Now, how many of you in your imagination can picture that? Anybody? Y'all? How many cannot picture that? Okay, good. Now, what that line is, it's a timeline. This timeline is very important because over here, at the beginning of that line is birth. That's your birth. Now we've got a couple hundred people in here. We've all got different birth dates and different times that we were born, but we've all got a birth date. And that's what that represents. Over here, that represents the day that you are appointed to leave this plane of existence. Now, we're only going to put one thing on this 
line, it's very taut, very tight, okay? So it's just a straight line. And about a third of the way, it could, rip, it could be for you, it might be further to the right or left, I don't know. But it's going to be representative of the day that you came to faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to put a cross about a third of the way over. How many of you can picture that? Okay, we're doing good so far. Now, the first part from birth until the cross represents darkness in your life. Darkness. Why? Because that is when you were born and you were born into a kingdom of darkness. The world is a dark place. Now, is there hope in the world? Yes. If you have Jesus, you've got, I mean, we've got, the, we've got light unlimited, okay? But you don't get that until you come to the cross. And the cross represents that moment in time when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, whenever it was. For me, I was 21 years old. My life was a wreck. But when I started following Jesus, everything started falling into place. And that's what happens when people start following Jesus. So the cross represents a point in time when you enter the kingdom of light. Because that's what the kingdom of light is. It's God's kingdom. Now, there are two kingdoms in the universe, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. When we are born physically, we are born into that kingdom of darkness. But when we are born again, light comes in. We are born of light. And we begin to see things differently. We begin to see life from a totally new perspective. The, the Bible uses an illustration. It was actually the Apostle John. He wrote about three kinds of people who are in the kingdom of God. He writes about little children who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and they know the Father and they know that their sins are forgiven but they're little children. And later, this is in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, if you want to make a reference of that. 
Then he talks about young people, young men, young women. And he says three things about them that are different from the little children. He says, they are strong. They have the word of God in them. They're strong. They have the word of God in them. And right now, in this moment, I can't remember what the third one is. <laughs> they overcome the evil one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just want you to know who that is that said that from back there. He's got vision. Huh? He's got vision. He's got vision. Right. <laughs> Not only that, I know him. I meet with him every Monday morning. And he has the word of God hidden in his heart. He does. Right? There you go. Now I can't remember his name. I've got stage fright up here. Scott. Right? Okay. What's your name? Scott Duncan. Scott Duncan, right? What's... I just turned 80. So I have a right to forget if I want to. So. I'm sorry, Scott. I meet with Scott every Monday morning. What, what was that third thing? Yeah, over. There you go. Okay. So that's what the young men do. The fathers, all it says about the fathers is they know him who is from the beginning. So that is the maturity kingdom. We start out as little children in the kingdom of God. We know the father in the sense that we're born again. We know his love. But then young men, they're strong. It says they've overcome the evil one. They have the word of God hidden in their heart. And what was the third one? What was the third one, Scott? All right. I can't believe I'm having this trouble right now. Anyway, okay. But the, so you've got these three people. It's a maturity continuum is what it is. Now, okay. So there's a kingdom of darkness from the time we're born until the time we are born again. The kingdom of darkness is just that. It's dark. Now, the, the thing that we need to understand is there's different shades of gray. So you have everything from total darkness over to really light gray. Now, the cross is where we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And every single one of us start out as babies, baby Christians, right? 
The Bible says, as newborn babes desire this sincere milk of the word so that you can grow up. We're all little children when we start out. But as we grow from being little children to young men and women, we study the word of God and we begin to know God in a much deeper way. And the more we know God, the more we are able to survive in this present world. You see, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the ways of God, even if you're a believer, if you're still a little baby Christian, you are going to be devoured by the world. But if you study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman, or a workwoman that doesn't need to be ashamed, and you can rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to learn how to be what the Bible calls an overcomer. Otherwise, if you don't do that, you're not going to live much differently than you did when you were in the kingdom of darkness. So, It's kind of like this. It's like a light bulb. When you come to faith in Christ, you've got, it's like you get a five-watt light bulb. I mean, that, and that five-watt light bulb to you is really bright because you've been living in darkness your whole life. And now all of a sudden you come to faith in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You start fellowshipping with other people in the light. And all of a sudden you begin to see life from a different perspective. But you've only got a little bit of light in you. But you know what? If you memorize scripture, you study the word, you go to church and fellowship with other believers and you get into a small group of people that are committed to knowing Jesus, that light gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Next thing you know, you've got a 100-watt light bulb. And suddenly you can see life differently from the way you did before. As a matter of fact, now... You can see colors. In the kingdom of darkness, everything is a shade of gray. There's even a book written just recently about the kingdom of darkness. And it's very popular and it's changing our culture for the bad. It's called Fifty Shades of Gray. Anybody heard of that book? How many of you have heard of the book, Fifty Shades of Grey? Look at that. Is that a good book or a bad book? Bad book, bad book, okay. All right, I'm not going to go any further there. So, but in the kingdom of God, you've got color. Okay, I need that slide to come up. 
Yeah, look at that. All of a sudden, right now, did you know all of those colors are right here in the room? They're right here. All, every one of those colors. But they can only be seen through a prism. Now, here's the beautiful thing. That prism is just, that's a real thing, okay? But there's a spiritual prism that you have inside of you that comes with following Jesus. And guess what it does? It lets you see things that you couldn't see before. It lets you see colors. Now, it lets you see red. What does red represent? Red represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you on the cross so that you could be redeemed from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And then we have orange. Orange is an autumn kind of color. It's what happens when the old dies and it goes into winter mode and that's what happens when you are born again. You are dying to the old world, the old way of life. And when you die to the world, you learn how to live for the kingdom. It's a big difference. And then you have yellow. Yellow represents the kingdom of God itself, the glory of the kingdom of God. You begin to be changed from one level of glory to another. That's what it tells us in Corinthians. From glory to glory, he's changing us from one level of excellence to another until we just keep getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And then we have green. Green is that growth that takes place within us as we study the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. And then blue. Blue represents the spiritual kingdom that you are becoming a part of. You begin to see everything from a heavenly perspective instead of that earthly perspective that you were conditioned to live in when you were born. And you go to school and you hang out with people in the world. And what do you learn? You learn the ways of the world. But when you begin to follow Jesus, Jesus is light and he shines in your heart and he begins to teach you in ways that take you into the heavenly realm. And then purple. What does purple represent? Did you know that Jesus Christ came not just to get you out of hell, 
not just to get you out of the kingdom of darkness. And it's a wonderful thing to be taken out of the kingdom of darkness. But he has created you to be royalty. Did you know that? You and I are children of God. Our sins have been forgiven. And we have been set free. And that's what happens on this timeline. You see, when we come to the cross, our life is turned upside down. And we begin to grow spiritually. Now, in James chapter 1, it describes this maturity continuum, and he describes how we grow. It's said different ways in different places. But I want to take just what James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Count it all joy when you have problems. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, when it is finished, produces maturity. And we mature from one level of excellence to another, gaining more light, gaining more and more understanding. Count it all joy. But what do we do? We go to a prayer meeting. Oh, God, get me out of this problem. Get me out of this trouble. I have dreams that I've got to have fulfilled. And you're letting trouble come my way. I want my troubles gone. Isn't that terrible? That's the dumbest way to pray that you can possibly pray. Excuse me, I'm 80 years old. I can say anything I want. <laughs> we need to embrace trouble. Count it all joy when you face trouble of any kind. Why? Because what is God doing with that trouble? He's trying to grow you up. He's trying to grow me up. The greatest spurts of growth that I have had in my life came through my children when they were facing adversity and trouble and even death. The hardest moments of my life have come through my children. 
Linda can testify to that. We didn't ask for those things. Believe me, I would have never prayed for the things that God sent our way. I would have never in a thousand years prayed for the adversity that came my way, that came our way. But I can tell you, Linda and I, in 2023, are going to have our 60th wedding anniversary. That woman sitting back there has gone through hell with me. Before I came to faith in Christ, our marriage was a wreck. So I understand broken marriages. But I want to tell you, I understand healed marriages too because I've got a woman back there by my side that I wouldn't trade for all the people in the whole world or all the money in the whole world or all the prized possessions I could get because that woman is the joy of my life because she's gone through the trouble with me. She's put up with my craziness. She's put up with me. And we're still together. I'm way off base here. <laughs> We've only got one service, so I can take another half hour, right? <laughs> so, we haven't even got into my slides yet. Now, what are we ta we're talking about vision, right? Okay, let's get back to vision. When I, when I learned how to drive a car, one of my, the first things my dad did, my dad taught me how to drive a car by taking me out to my uncle's farm, and he put me in a cow pasture, taught me how to shift gears, and then he turned me loose. He got out of the car, and he said, just drive around the pasture, practice. And that's what I did. We had a 55 Chevrolet station wagon. And I got out there, and I was jerk, jerk, jerk. It's a standard transmission. But one thing my dad told me when he taught me how to drive, he says, Bob, you got to watch out for blind spots. There's a blind spot in your left rear quarter that you can't see. It's impossible for you to see it. And you know what? And when we talk about vision, did you know that every single one of us have blind spots spiritually? And these blind spots get us in big trouble. So, I'm going to conclude by putting some slides up here. Paul Dunn, a few months ago, he read, I put out a devotional in the morning, and he was reading it, and he came to me at the staff retreat, and he says, Bob, he says, you need to write a book. He says, you need to write a book. And you need to call it aware. And you need to make an uh, acrostic. 
for aware. And I listened to him. And I thought, okay, if God wants me to do that, he'll show me an acrostic. Well, I went home that night and I came back the next day and I had an acrostic for aware. And what this is good for, he, the reason every other devotional I write, I talk about being aware of God's presence in our life. Because in this timeline, there's a window that moves along your timeline and my timeline. And it's a window called the present moment. You see, our past is history. There's nothing we can do about it. It's over. It's done. The future, your future and my future, is nothing more than an illusion. You have hopes, you have dreams, you have plans, you have fears, you have all kinds of things for the future, but they're not real. They're out there. There's only one real time that you have in your life, and it's constantly moving along in time. It's called the present moment. Now, your vision, remember I told you at the beginning, when I talk to people about vision, they tell me, well, this, it's about vision for down the road. It's for the future. And you know, if you have vision for the future and you're living in the future, guess where you're living? You are living in la-la land. It's okay to have dreams. The Bible tells us to. But if that is, if you get upset with your present condition and all the present moment does is irritate you because it's getting in your way of where you want to go. You're missing the whole boat. Because God is not living in your future. God is only living in your present moment right now. If you don't hear anything else I say today, you need to understand that God is with you always. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. But the only time he is ever with you is always in the present moment. He'll be with you in the future when the present moment gets in the future. But he's with you right now. And so... The acrostic for aware. I want you to put it up there. So I went home that night after Paul told me that. And I woke up early the next morning and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. These words came. It made me understand what the word aware means. The first letter in aware is A, acknowledge God's presence in every life situation. You see, I don't care what you're going through. 
I mean, I've been through a lot of hell. I've, I've had a son that died 14 years ago this month. 2008, 15 years ago this month. I had a son who was a missionary over in India, Chennai, India. We get a telephone call from his wife one night. David died. What? And before I could get any conversation and she was so shook up, she hung up the phone. And all we had, all Linda and I had, was a message. David died. A wife and four children serving God. Of all of our six children, he was the most spiritual. And, my, and his wife calls me and tells me he died. And then she hangs up. And I took the phone and I slammed it into a hundred pieces. I was so angry, thinking about what she had just told me on the phone. That went on for about three or four minutes. I mean, I was in a rage. I couldn't even tell Linda the details. I was so angry. Have you ever been angry? I mean, I was angry. And then I, I stopped and I... I looked at Linda, I said, honey, I, can't, I don't know what just happened, but I know this. We've got to go to God in prayer right now. And I grabbed Linda and Linda grabbed me and we didn't understand. We had no information other than his wife calls and tells us that he died. About a half an hour later, Rob and another man show up at the house, Rob Campbell, our pastor at that time. And he shows up. And that's what brothers are for. Brothers and sisters are for, to comfort one another. Anyway, Rob helped me through that. When we had David's funeral up in Kansas City, Rob was there. That, it wasn't until I acknowledged God's presence and I looked at Linda. I said, honey, we've got to just be grateful for every moment we had with David. And it, that was 15 years ago this month. And we're still, I still have moments I wake up crying. Because I miss him. Oh, absolutely. Four months later after I had this experience, I'm laying in bed at night and I wake up. I have a vision of David in heaven, and he's got this big grin on his face. I was having a dream about his paintings. He was an artist, and he had, he had all of his drawings and paintings in an old uh, store, the Gibson store, that turned into, 
That's, this was in the dream. And I've got to tell you, from January to April, I, we were, Linda and I were a wreck. At night, it was so hard to sleep. And this one night, I had a dream. And there's David in this Gibson store with his pictures. And he's got a great big smile on his face because he always had a smile on his face. And he said, Dad, he's here. I said, he's here? He says, yeah. And he pointed up. And there was Jesus laughing. David was laughing. Jesus, I had this picture of Jesus laughing. Why? Because David was the funniest of all of our children. He could crack a joke. He, could, he was just funny. And, and when I saw that vision, peace came over me that helped me to deal with his death. But it wasn't, it wasn't until I had acknowledged God in the present moment in that situation. We had another son. He was addicted to crystal meth, something very similar. I'm not going to go into all of that, but it was, uh, that was harder than David because when David died, we had a funeral and we brought closure and we had a wonderful experience at, we, at the church we were at and But the thing that got me through it was the awareness. Second thing, not only acknowledging God's presence, but watching what God is doing and pray for wisdom to get involved with him. You see, in whatever is happening in our lives, don't pray to get out of it. Pray to be able to see what God is doing in it so that you can be joined at the hip with him in whatever it is that's going on. The third thing, allow. Allow for God to do his work by getting out of his way, by trusting him, and stop fighting your circumstances. Because if you're fighting your circumstances, there's a great possibility that you are fighting God because God is allowing everything to happen in your life that is happening. He may not be behind it, but he's allowing it for you to grow. The fourth thing, realize that he is Lord and we are only his servants. We are only his servants. There's a scripture that says when a person comes in from being out in the field, instead of sitting down to dinner, it says he goes and serves the master because he's there to serve. Our interest shouldn't be in what is God going to do for us. Our interest should be how can we follow him and do what he wants us to do and say what he wants us to say. And third or fifth, enjoy. Enjoy every moment as an opportunity to fellowship with God. Amen.
as the worship team comes up. One of the things we do, we've got the prayer team. One of the first things Rob did when he started Cypress Creek Church was get a prayer ministry going. Before he did anything else, before we built a building or did anything, he had a prayer ministry team. And there's ladies that come down here. And I don't know if there's any men from the prayer team, but they could come. They're ready too. Okay. Y'all, they come down here. Opportunity for you to pray with people who love you. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. We thank you for vision. But it isn't vision for the sweet by and by. It's vision for the present moment that we can live in your presence, aware of who you are and what you have done for us and what you're doing for us. 